welcome to week six of our study, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. I'm so excited about this session, and I think you will enjoy um, all that we have to discuss this week. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go, um, maybe if, if, you're, if you're not able to physically go look in your closet, maybe go in your mind, and I want you to think through um, some of the things, some of the clothes. What is the oldest piece of clothing <laughs> that you have in your closet? Now, now, for some of us, it may be decades old, and some of us maybe uh, we purge a little more than others, and, and, and we've, uh, we don't really have anything old in our closet. When you think about some of those things, so maybe, maybe it's an old t-shirt or, or a pair of pants or something like that, um, you know, we think about what was popular or what was in style at the moment, and it's even more fun to see, uh, maybe fun's not the word, but interesting would be a word, maybe depressing, you could say, but to see some styles that you were so glad when they went out, come back in, it's crazy. And, and I think every adult, you know, when I was a young person, I would hear adults say, oh man, that was in style and here it comes back. And I thought, oh, that's, that's funny. That'll never happen to me. And sure enough, I'm looking around seeing these giant stovepipe baggy jeans going, holy cow, those 90s Jinkos are here again. This is terrible. But it's fun to look back and think about some of those styles. I think about what was potentially popular clothing item when we were young in high school or college and then what it's like now. So we think about all that, you know, we, we connect our style, we connect those looks, those shirts, those dresses, those pants, whatever. A lot of times we connect those to, to someone uh, or, or a group of people or maybe a, a musical style or, or some kind of trend and, and we mirror something that we've seen somewhere. Now, do you find yourself still dressing like certain people? Um, I don't know. That's a great question to ponder. It's like, okay, where do I get my style? Where, where does that come from? Well, here's the thing. Let, let's begin to kind of transition into our session for week six. Um, the words and images that we share on our phones influence others. Um, but the words and images we consume transform us. So we have the ability to influence others by the things that we portray and we put out on our, our social media pages or in our communication. Um, but then the words and, and the images, the things that we follow, the things that we consume have the ability to change us, to transform us. Do you, do you know the story of Narcissus? Okay, so this is interesting, and I'm sure now that you've heard that uh, phrase, you probably have and, and will remember this. This Narcissus was a handsome man um, and, and was cursed by the god Nemesis. He fell in love with the image he projected of himself. Every day he bent over the glassy surface of water and admired his own reflection. Until one day, <laughs> he noticed his reflection in the bottom of a well and jumped in and drowned. <laughs> Just like this guy staring down into the water, enchanted with himself, we can have the tendency to bend over our phones and, and be enchanted with those images that we are either portraying or those things that we are consuming. And what captures our attention is our own reflection, our filtered images, the record of others, their approval of us, their likes, 
their hearts, their smiley faces, and we begin to do the same thing. Tonight, the point for this session, and, and, and this is week six, the sixth way that our phone is changing us, is we become like what we like. Okay, We become like what we like. Number one here is fitting in. So your first blank under that is fitting in. So let me ask you a question. What costume do you wear to fit in or conform to a certain subculture? You know, I don't, I don't wear any costumes. I, I don't do that. What, what things do you put on to conform or fit into a subculture? There's an old saying. It says, we are not who we think we are. We are not even who others think we are. We are who we think others think we are. You know, think of a teenager who desperately wants to fit in, but yet also wants to stand out and be unique at the same time. They may dye their hair jet black or pink or green. They may put on some, some dark eyeliner. They may paint their nails all black. They may wear black clothes. This outfit, it does make them stand out in some ways, but more importantly, it's an attempt for them to also fit in with a certain group or subculture. We, we, we see this all the time. So while their attempt to stand out and be unique also just puts them in line with this group of people. We all know the commercial value of celebrity endorsements or celebrities wearing a brand. Um, in, you know, when, when I was growing up, we saw the Like Mike and every kid had to have Jordans. I remember vividly getting my first pair of Nike tennis shoes. I was in fifth grade and I walked around all day looking down at the tongue of my sneakers because it had that Nike logo. I mean, that was a big deal for me. We all, we all know what that's like. Maybe you eat certain restaurants because of that endorsement. Maybe you do certain things or wear certain clothes. Have you ever tried something or bought something just because a celebrity endorsed it? Think, think about some of the things that you've purchased. And, and may, you, you don't have to you know, be, feel too guilty because I think we're all guilty of that at times. We've all bought products or we've all been interested in things because we've seen somebody we admire use it. Here's the thing, we crave acceptance, and we are, whether we realize it, becoming like what we admire. Digital technology has now accelerated our search and need for belonging. It has taken these things that have been with us in our human nature since the beginning of time and just accelerated it exponentially. So the first thing there is fitting in. The second thing, number two, idols and mirrors. Idols and mirrors. We are all conforming to something. I, I want us to understand that. We are all conforming or changing into something. If, if you think about the word conforming, think about that mold, you know, when you were a kid playing with Play-Doh and you would push the Play-Doh down into that mold and as you took the mold off, you would see the shape of that thing. That is a, a very good picture of conforming. And whether we realize it or like it or not, we are all being molded and pushed into that shape of something. The Bible calls negative conformity or anything that goes against God. This is idol worship. But then the Bible calls positive conformity or anything that brings you closer to God into becoming in His image true worship. This is the kind of worship that focuses on who God is and what Christ has done for us. We're all conforming to something. We are mirrors. 
So, so as we conform, as we're being shaped, we, we have to understand that we're mirrors. We reflect our environment. We reflect its context, its celebrities. Think about what you are reflecting or potentially what you're projecting on social media, in, in, in your text conversations, the, the things that you say with your friends, with your family. What is it that we're reflecting? Because we're mirrors. See, worship is the fundamental dynamic of molding us into who we become. No matter how independent we think we are, we never find our identity within ourselves. We're always looking outside of ourselves for identity. To our group or to our likes or our loves, we are conforming to something that we see. We are becoming like what we worship. We're becoming like what we see. We're becoming like what we like. Psalm chapter 115 verses 4 through 8 is a great passage. It says, Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. They have hands and cannot feel, and feet and cannot walk, and throats and cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them as are all who trust in them, completely hollow, completely lifeless. If we worship idols, we become like idols. Inevitably, when we worship someone or find them worthy, okay, we will become like them. By worshiping dead or lifeless objects, we become spiritually dead. By worshiping trivial comforts, we become trivial. But see, if we worship Christ, we become like Christ. To worship anything that isn't God is to live in identity confusion. God designed the object of our worship to be the object of our imitation. Jesus Christ is the full image of what you and I were created to express. You were made in God's image. And you were created to bear His image. That is what you're supposed to project. That is what you're supposed to mirror. That is the mold that you should be shaped into. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. So number one was fitting in. Number two, idols and mirrors. And then number three, device worship. <laughs> device worship. A worshiper or idolater of technology doesn't literally consider tech to be divine. I don't think any of us are going to say that I think my phone is holy. You know, um, it, it's not divine. We don't feel that way. But oftentimes we, we see people and, and, and we ourselves can lower ourselves before our technology. We, we, we bow to that. Instead of wisely using technology, we, we give in and, and we, we cave to the latest gimmicks and we let it determine how we use our time, how we spend our money, how we create uh, and the values that we have, the, the perspectives we have. We allow that device to dictate our terms, our schedule, our habits. Now, we don't have time to get into all the ways that our actual relationships suffer when we're consumed with our device, but here are just a few, okay? Shallow relationships online, 
are going to create shallow relationships offline. We treat people in a way online that we wouldn't and shouldn't do face-to-face. We would never say those things to somebody face-to-face, but yet we act that way online. We focus more on people we don't know than the actual people we encounter in person. When you worship or idolize your phone, the things on your phone, you lose the ability to ask if it's helping or hurting you spiritually. You get so consumed with that thing and that lifestyle and those images, that brand, that you can't even ask yourself. You can't even step back and have the perspective to wonder, is this hurting me spiritually? So the change, pray daily for grace to avoid the plight of narcissists. (laughs) Avoid falling in love with an image of yourself that does not reflect Jesus Christ. Our 12 ways tip for this session is simple. And and there's been parts of this in in the previous weeks and and it may feel a little familiar, but I'm, I'm gonna say it again and we're gonna try it again. Life is about more than what goes on on our smartphones. We have to set boundaries for phone usage. So some examples for this week. I want you to just try something. Try something different. Try something and see how it goes. Set aside some no phone Bible reading time. Maybe, maybe go back and, and, and drop your SIM card in a flip phone for a few days and, and see what it's like to live with some, without some of those apps, without some of those addictions. Maybe it's deleting a certain app or two. Maybe it's just as simple as removing some notifications. Maybe it might be committing to only check email once or twice a day. Some of you need to have a drawer in your house, a phone drawer for you and your children to put those things away so that your family can be together for for a, a small amount of time, something. But let's try to set some boundaries for phone usage and see what, what kind of change it makes in our lives.